Welcome to the Contrast Church Podcast. Contrast is located in Grandview, Ohio, with the mission to help people be with Jesus, become like Him, and live out His mission together. For more information on attending our meetings, our missional communities, or giving, visit contrast.church. Hello, hello, hello! My name is Jerry Sai. I am the Connect Director here at Contrast Church. Uh, today I have the honor of speaking with all of you and doing uh, the church uh, of, well, I'll say the name in just a second because we're going to do that here in a little bit. Um, but before we jump in, I also have the privilege of helping to organize the inaugural Contrast Golf Outing. So I'm going to take a few minutes to talk about that. Uh, for those of you who may golf, for those of you who may not golf, for those of you who want to watch people try to golf, this is the event for you. Uh, August 21st, which is a couple Sundays from now, at 1 o'clock, we're going to do something we've not, never done before. We're going to do a nine-hole golf scramble. It'll be at Gehanna Municipal Golf Course. It is $30 per golfer, and the proceeds go to the Impact Fund so that we can you know, do those fun things that, that Zach was talking about in the community. Uh, we have one more spot that we need to fill in order to hit our original goal of having six groups out there. So if you're on the edge, you could be that tipping point for us. Uh, I think we already got one. All right, cool. <laughs> That's all you have to do. Uh, and then if, you're, uh, if, if you want to help us reach our stretch goal, we are trying to fill two more foursomes uh, in order to get a total of eight groups out there for the golf outing. Uh, for those who don't have any interest in that, we are also doing the 19th hole, which is kind of funny because we're only playing nine holes, but in traditional golf, you would play 18. Uh, and if you want to go to the 19th hole, we're going to go to Nostalgia Brewing in Gehanna just for you know, fellowship and you know, food and drink after the outing. That'll probably be right about 5 o'clock. So 1 o'clock on the 21st if you're interested in, like I said, playing golf, watching golf, watching people attempt to golf. I can't guarantee it's going to be as good as the PGA or the Live, uh, but, okay, that one, that one went over everyone's, okay. I'm just going to move on. But if you want to come and, come and check it out, we'd love for you guys to be there. We'd love for this to be a great success. We're looking to hopefully make it an annual event for Contrast Church. Okay, now to our original scheduled programming. Uh, the last few weeks we've been in Revelation, uh, with the exception of last week when we did our annual outing at the, at the park. Uh, but we've been going through Revelation the last couple of weeks and going through the letters to the seven churches. Uh, this week, we're on the fourth letter, and it is to the church in, is it Thyatira or Thyatira? How many think it's Thyatira? Any hands? How many think it's Thyatira? How many don't really know and uh, will listen to whatever I say? <laughs> okay, all right. So if you, if you listen to the version Bible app, it'll say with a TH thigh, kind of like chicken thigh or your thigh and your like thigh to your sound. If you Google it and you look at how they, they, they explain it on Google, it's Thai as in like Thai food. Um, I think we're going to have to settle that this is kind of like GIF or GIF, and we're just going to kind of see how the spirit moves me today. So... <laughs> Uh, we're going to go with Thyatira for most of it, uh, but that is where we're studying today. Um, this uh, revolution is, is Jesus speaking through John, and he's going through, and he is essentially, there's these seven letters 
to all these churches in this area, which is now modern-day Turkey. Uh, it was called Asia Minor at the time, uh, and now we're in the fourth church. So it's traveled around to the fourth church. Uh, we've already heard Hannah explain what the letter to Ephesus was. Uh, Adam told us about Smyrna. Trey told us about Pergamum. Uh, last week we were at the, the park, and then this week we'll go through Thyatira. Uh, Thyatira, the church in, in Thyatira, this letter in particular, I, I, in, in, in studying, and you can see it's uh, up around, closer to where it says Asia, uh, you can see on the map there. Um, but this, this is interesting, what one of the scholars said about Thyatira. Uh, he said, it is the longest and most difficult of the seven letters, and it's addressed to the least known, least important, and least remarkable of all the cities. Now, Trey, I'm not sure why you assigned this to me, but thanks, I guess. I'm not sure there's a hidden message either way in that. Uh, but why it is the most difficult is because the letter comes out of numerous references to things that, quite frankly, just aren't a part of daily life anymore. It's stuff that is kind of obscure. It's things that don't exactly make sense to modern day, to us, if you will, society today. And there's not a lot of like writings and proof and archaeological things around it. Uh, so when we go through this, there's going to be a lot that, goes through, that we're going to go through today with, with Thyatira. Uh, and I'll try to connect as many dots as possible as we go through the, the different parts of it. Um, with all the letters, so like I said, there are seven of the letters, uh, and they all follow a very similar structure. And so Trey actually a couple weeks ago presented, hey, here's the structure. Uh, I want to review what that structure is before we jump into the scripture of Revelation. Uh, so the structure of this letter starts off with, uh, again, Jesus through John, writing and saying to the angel of the city of whatever it may be. Uh, then he says, Jesus is saying, Hey, it's Jesus, okay. He starts off with recognizing these are the things that you're doing well. Remember, these are very early churches, right? And they, they're, so he's trying to encourage someone to say, hey, I recognize all these things that are going well. And then he calls each of the different cities out for something that's not going so well, something that they're compromising. Uh, in this version of, of the letter, it then goes to share like, hey, if you repent, if you recognize where you're compromising and so forth, you will then be, you know, given this, or you will be, the response will be this, and shares a promise, if you will. Uh, and then he implores everyone to listen. Like, hey, if you have ears, you should be listening to this. Uh, this is the first of the letters in which the listening variable of it is actually put at the very end. Usually it was actually the second to last step of the structure, but this is the first, and going forward, it will be like, hey, listen, at the end. So, with that structure in mind, let's actually jump into the scripture and see how it plays out. All right, so we're in Revelation 2. We'll go 18 through 29, and this is the NET version. To the angel of the, of the church in Thyatira, write, again, hey, this is to the church, these are the words of the Son of God, whose eyes are like blazing fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. This is Jesus, right? I know your deeds, your love and faith, your service and perseverance, 
and that you are now doing more than you did at first. His recognition of all the good things that are going on. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess. By her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and the eating of food sacrificed to idols. I have given her time to repent of her immorality, but she is unwilling. So I will cast her on a bed of suffering, and I will make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely, unless they repent of her ways. I will strike her children dead. Then all the churches will know that I am he who searches hearts and minds, and I will repay each of you according to your deeds. He's called out all the things that are not going so well. Now I say to the rest of you in Thyatira, to you who do not hold to her teaching and have not learned Satan's so-called deep secrets, I will not impose any other, other burden on you. Only hold on to what you have until I come. He's turning into that, hey, this is what you need to repent. To he who overcomes and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. So if you do repent, here's what happens. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He will dash them to pieces like pottery, just as I have received authority from my father. I will also give him the morning star. He who has ear, has, an, has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And he closes out that structure. A lot there that we're going to unpack together here in the coming minutes. Before we unpack all that, I do want to give some history on Thyatira, because it's really important to kind of get an understanding of what that city was all about, to understand what exactly is being said in this passage. Uh, so the city of Thyatira... Uh, was, at the time, a center for manufacturing and marketing and kind of a hub around that kind of thing. One of the major characteristics of Thyatira was that it was full of flourishing trade guilds. Uh, Guilds isn't exactly something that we hear a lot about today. Uh, So the definition of a guild is an association of persons of the same trade or pursuits. And this variable is going to be really important for us to keep in mind, this guild variable, as we look at like, well, what, what's going on in, in this part of Revelation. So, give you a little bit more context of exactly what a guild is. In Thyatira in particular, these were guilds that were recognized and mentioned uh, in the different you know, studies and, and research out there. Uh, they had wool workers, linen workers, makers of outer garments, dyers, leather workers, tanners, potters, Bakers and bronzesmiths. I haven't encountered too many bronzesmiths in my life, but you get the idea of like, hey, very much the profession is and the guilds and the associations there. Uh, I think nowadays we probably are looking at guilds that are more like what I would consider like labor unions, if you will. Uh, Though, if you do kind of think of what guilds actually do exist today beyond the labor unions, you might think of writers' guilds. You might think of the Bar Association for Lawyers as kind of like a guild, uh, real estate associations, and then certainly one of the more prominent ones is the Screen Actors Guild because they have the SAG Awards for movies and and so forth. So guilds do still kind of, are kind of present here, but to take away from that, like, it, it is very much focused on the profession variable of 
what, what a person's life is all about. And so Thyatira, if we would like to try to like understand what that city was all about, nothing super remarkable about it, as we heard from one scholar, very much a working class kind of community, and because of that, the guilds were such a big part of that society. Okay? So keep that in the back of your mind, and it's important. This did just fall down, didn't it? Okay, I'm like, what just happened? <laughs> we'll leave it. Okay. Um, well, I want you to keep it in the back of the mind because this prominent piece of the guild is going to be juxtaposed against the belief of following Jesus in Thyatira. And that's really where this passage is going. Um, and in particular, because it is so prominent, it kind of depends. Like it dictates what society expects of the individuals of Thyatira. More on that soon. Uh, I want to now turn to where Jezebel, who's mentioned in verse 20, and kind of it's a big, big chunk of what this passage is all about, is, is about Jezebel. So some fun things about Jezebel, because this is where the juxtaposition happens between what Jezebel is saying and the guilds and then the belief in, in, in Jesus and what Jesus is saying. Uh, Jezebel is actually not likely her name of this person there. Uh, we actually don't know what her actual name is, but in this passage, it's being referred to as Jezebel because there's a Jezebel mentioned in the Old Testament, in 1 Kings, where that person essentially was you know, giving false prophecy out there and leading people to do false things. And so essentially, uh, Jesus is saying, this person is being a Jezebel, essentially, and referencing the Old Testament Jezebel in, in this passage here. Um, in particular, this Jezebel is probably a prominent woman in the church who, like her Old Testament counterpart, uh, was influencing the people uh, to essentially forsake God's teachings and what God was calling everyone to do. Uh, and this is essentially allowing for them to do pagan practices. Uh, pagan is a word that we don't use very often nowadays either. Uh, And so when I'm thinking pagan, I think like secular or worldly, if you want to make that correlation to like like how we would think about it in today's society. And so in this scripture, um, we can see that this Jezebel character, if you will, is is providing teachings or whether it be formal or informal, that essentially is like allowing folks to, to go about secular things. And in particular, it's to the guilds. So... If you recall in the, in the scripture, there are two specific things that were called out by Jesus. He said sexual immorality and the eating of food sacrificed to idols. Uh, what we see going on here is Jezebel and the church of Thyatira, Thyatira are essentially getting a hall pass to participate in activities that the guilds essentially have you have to do, right? So let's, let's step, step back here. So Jezebel saying it's okay to go participate in these guild things. And the reason why is because she's like, well, that's your livelihood. She's giving that hall pass to be like, okay, yeah, go ahead and participate because if you can't do that, you won't be able to do your woolworking, your bronzesmithing, and all that stuff. And who knows if you'll be able to provide for your family. And so that guild variable and Jezebel saying, hey, you can go participate in that feast and so forth and, and so forth. 
is she's giving everyone a hall pass, which is compromising what Jesus has actually taught us and was saying. It's like, no, sexual immorality, eating of um, food sacrificed to idols is not living a Jesus-centered life. Uh, and in that, it is because the fact that guilds are so prominent in that city that then these Christian believers are in this like weird dichotomy where they have to figure out, do I do all these things that compromise my belief to like provide for my family? Or do I stay and hold true to my belief in Christ and what Christ teaches me to do? Um, more on some of the details of why those two things were called out. So the, the sexual immorality variable is, 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 well, it's pretty self-explanatory to some extent, but like why that was called out in particular is because when people would participate in these feasts, think about it, lots of food, lots of alcohol, and so forth, it oftentimes led to these sexual immoralities and that compromising of, it's not saying that it's like you can't go have you know, intercourse with your wife or husband. It's saying you're being sexually immoral, essentially sleeping around, and that is compromising the sacrament of marriage and so forth. And so he's calling that out specifically because people are doing that. And then for the eating of the foods sacrificed to idols, it's not so much the actual eating of the food because they were allowed to eat certain foods. It was more where were they who were they idolizing and who were they putting their emphasis on? Was it, they were actually putting this, this, this uh, activity of participating higher, holding it at a higher point than, than Jesus in their hearts and so forth. And that's what he's calling out. And so that combination is what specifically Jesus is trying to bring to everyone's attention of like, this is where you're compromising. This is where you have lost your way on what it actually means to be a follower of Jesus. And this Jezebel character is telling you it's okay, and it's not. And so I wonder um, how often we are faced with this situation. Uh, I wonder if, if there are ways in which we are actually in this type of situation on a semi-regular basis without realizing that we're there. Now, if we are, what would happen? Well, in the scripture it says, for those that are following Jezebel, he says, I will cast her on a bed of suffering, and I will make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely. Unless they repent of her ways, I will strike her children dead. And so Jesus has given us a warning. He's, he's laid it out for us. Hey, city, church of Thyatira, you're doing these things because this prophetess is saying it's okay when it's not. And if you keep doing it, what's going to happen? Well, you're going to be on a better suffering. You're going to continue. You're going to suffer intensely unless you repent of your ways. And then, you know, I will strike her children dead. I don't think they were speaking specifically about her specific children, but like all of her followers and those who follow her ways, so forth. And so he makes it very, very clear. Like, if you keep going down this path, if you keep compromising instead of holding fast with what it actually means to be a follower of Christ, you're going to have repercussions and so forth. 
And so the people of Thyatira are then faced with a very hard decision, or so we think. They say, do I hold true, hold fast to my belief in Christ and I know what I'm supposed to do? I'm not supposed to be sexually immoral. I'm not supposed to be eating these, the food that's you know, meant for idols. Or do I take the hall pass and go? But it is more complicated than that because if I do hold true, I may be compromising my livelihood. I may be compromising my work. I may be compromising how I can provide food for my family, a roof for their, over their heads. Or so we think. But rather, because it's not guaranteed that that will happen, if you think about it, what they're really compromising is their own fear of what might happen. Because in life in general, if we are a follower of Christ and follower of Jesus, we know that God will provide. And he will say, hey, we think if I don't follow this norm of culture, that all the repercussions will then come down on me. But what's not to say that if I don't follow and actually hold fast, that God will still provide for me? And they're stopping before they get to that point, the people in Thyatira. They're stopping and saying, no, no, I'm too afraid to even consider that. I'm going to take that hall pass from Jezebel, and I'm just going to kind of go with the flow. It's what everyone else is doing. Jezebel says it's okay. And they're stopping and essentially truncating their faith in the Lord to provide even if they do hold fast to living a Jesus-centered life. And that's the main core of what this is all about. That's really where we're centered in on, is are there things today in our own lives where we are compromising our faith in Jesus, in particular because of the juxtaposition juxtaposition of guilds in Thyatira, I'm going to say, think about it for your work. Are there things going on in your work life where you are compromising your faith, knowingly, unknowingly, both, and it's making it so you're actually following the Jezebel out there in society. For me, you know, I was been thinking about this, like what, where, where does that happen in my work life? So I work at a, uh, at a software company called Accepted, and we um, got acquired about a year, year and a couple months ago. And now we're part of a portfolio company that is private equity-based. And so private equity, I think of it like, it's kind of like a venture capitalism kind of thing, a little bit more established. But uh, as you can imagine, there's a lot of um, focus on profits. We'll just say it that way. Uh, profits is a big part of what private equity think about. And so in my role at the company, I'm often looking a lot at spreadsheets and at numbers and at those profit lines. And for those business people out there, what does our EBITDA look like? No? Yeah? A couple nods? All right. I love it. Yes. Connected with a few people on that. All right. Uh, but like, I wonder sometimes, am I compromising my own faith in Jesus by putting profits, or let's think about it as manna, perhaps, which Jesus warns against in the scripture, in the scripture over the people, over actually putting a really good product in front of our, our customers, 
Am I valuing the dollar sign before the actual teammates I have? Do I compromise the way in which I treat people and I run meetings or I guide my leaders of, the, of the leaders of our company to push dollars instead of take care of their teammates? I bet you sometimes I do. And um, luckily... You know, with studying this, I was reminded, like, actually, no, that's not the way that Jesus would do it. Jesus, as we heard throughout different parts of the Bible, would stop on the side of the road and take time for, for you know, a, a, a regular person. Would spend time with the children when all these other important people needed his attention, I think. He put the person first. And so that's an example with me at work where I'm like, oh, maybe I do succumb to the hall pass of the Jezebel excuse that I'm allowed to, to do those type of things at work. It's says work. But it's compromising my own faith in Jesus. It's compromising my own, you know, Christ-centered life that I, should, that I hope to live. And so I ask, maybe there's something like that in your work environment. Maybe there's something that you do. And I know not everyone works, so like if you're not working, like you can kind of put whatever environment you're around. But maybe there's a way in which you're perhaps succumbing to the social pressures or the fear of not being influential or something at work, and you kind of you waver, you compromise. Maybe you're afraid that you're not going to get that promotion or that raise, or if you don't say the right things to your boss, or you know, kind of go with like that line of thinking when it actually contradicts against your actual personal beliefs. Or you're not being completely honest in a situation and you're kind of holding back and it's to protect yourself or that fear variable. Uh, perhaps there's ways in which the culture or the language or how people talk about each other at your work environment is compromising your faith in Christ and how you would like to live day in and day out. Maybe there's things like you are forced, or not forced, but strongly encouraged to go to happy hours or work events where it's like, ah, this is not exactly aligned with how I want my work environment to be or my life to be. Uh, or maybe you're like making compromises in how you like sell things or say things to your customers. Yeah, you, you blur the truth a little bit. You fudge a little of this just to, you know, smooth things over. It's okay. That's what everyone else does at the company. Or maybe there's something else. Either way, if we look at what Thyatira tells us, the letter to the Thyatira tells us, the church of Thyatira, it's a very, very clear warning from Jesus saying, you cannot, if you want to hold true and hold fast, to me, Jesus that is, right? You cannot compromise on those things, even if you get the hall pass, even if it's what the guilds or your work environment is supposed to be. It's what everyone else is doing. If you want to live a Jesus-aaron life and then be able to receive the reward for doing it. Which Jesus ends the scripture saying. He says to those who follow, they'll be given a morning star. They'll be able to rule as he did and his father did and be part of the kingdom of heaven. Uh, scholars aren't exactly sure what the morning star is. Uh, there's a lot of different definitions of it. They think it might be Jesus himself. It could be a blessing from Jesus. It could just be 
you know, going to heaven, either any of those ways, it's a positive, it's a good thing. And the way you have to get there, there is by holding fast in your belief in Christ and not compromising, whether it be at work or otherwise. So I'm going to invite the band back up, and we're going to close out here. Uh, one of the things that we do at Contrast every Sunday uh, is we do a time of reflection. And so what this time is, is an opportunity for, for you to reflect on what we were just covering, as well as a time for you to take communion if you're a believer yourself. Uh, the, there's a bread and cup here in the back, or in the back as well as here up front. Uh, we also have little, little cups in the very, very back if, if, if you need one of those little cups. It's all gluten-free. Uh, the bread represents Jesus' body. The blood is, or the, uh, the juice, it's just juice, or wine, is his blood. It is a commitment we like to make every week to understand that we recognize Jesus died on the cross for us, for all of our sins. We recognize that he's a part of our life every single day. And so we take this time to reflect on that and to reflect on the, the messages that he shares with us in, all throughout the scripture, including in the letter to the Church of Thyatira. And in this time, I'd encourage you to um, ask yourself these questions as it relates to work or your job in particular, as it relates to Thyatira. I encourage you to ask if what I'm doing is good for my faith when I'm at work. I encourage you to ask, is what I'm doing helping me love Jesus at work? And I encourage you to ask, am I participating in activities that are compromising my faith and hence my relationship with Jesus at work? And again, if you aren't working or you're retired or haven't gotten to that work yet, um, send her around another part of your life. Because compromise can happen in any parts of our life. I focused on that today because Thyatira had that very unique feature of having guilds as such a big part of that city. And this letter to Thyatira by Jesus was focused in on the repercussions of allowing that kind of variable to overshadow his actual teachings. So let's take a few minutes to reflect on those questions, uh, take communion, and then we'll close out with another song. Thank you for listening to the Contrast Church Podcast. To learn more about us and how you can be a part of it, visit contrast.church.